0: all right what's good everybody welcome back to talking sports with p scott i'm prescott kelly make sure to smash that five-star review button because if you don't you're a buster with no rhyme or reason so let's get into it death taxes the new england patriots being atop the afc east and college football coaches being hungry hungry hypocrites Welcome back to another episode of Talking Sports with Scott I'm Prescott Kelly, and on today's episode we are going to talk Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly both leaving their respective colleges and where they are heading to now and what that means in the greater scope of college football going forward, why my Buffalo Bills just can't shake those assholes up in Foxborough, Tiger Woods quote-unquote returning back to golf kinda-ish sort of part-time, and a few other things kind of sprinkle through the episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. To start with, like, this Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly thing, like, I don't understand how anybody is legitimately surprised that this happened. We see this thing happen quite literally every single goddamn year where somebody says, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not leaving, I'm committed to this place. And guess what? 38 minutes later, you are getting the f out of Dodge. This is not a new thing. This is why people that, like... Whenever, whenever I see things on social media, where they're like, well, didn't you listen to the coach? Didn't you listen? Like, yeah, of course I listened to it. Doesn't mean I have to believe it though. Everything they feed you is just a bunch of bullshit because all they want to do is just tell you what you want to hear. And if you are that person who believes that and thinks everything that somebody else tells you is true and can't think it all for yourself, Jesus can't help you. You just need to hang up whatever sports card you think that you have because you think you sound credible because you repeated something you heard on TV you need to knock it off and get the hell out of this lane, period. Oosa, oosa. All right, got that off my chest. Feeling good. Let's get back to the episode where I'm not just yelling at people indirectly, and I'm actually talking to you more specifically in a more intimate manner. Let's go back to that. So when we, when we look at this, Lincoln Riley, he was asked the question, are you going to LSU? And he said, no, I'm not. But this is almost like that Aaron Rodgers thing where it's like he's like, yeah, I'm immunized. And, like, there was no follow-up question. He said he wasn't going to LSU. He said he wasn't going to LSUSC. That motherfucker had a plan to get out of Norman, Oklahoma as soon as possible. But he was not going to give you any of the details of where he was going, though. And this is the argument that I love seeing from people where they say, like, well, why would you want to go to USC as opposed to Oklahoma? One, you've had the success in Oklahoma. Like, you haven't won a championship, but you've been really good for a really long time there. But because of taxes, like, why, why would you want to go to California when Oklahoma, like, it's a, it's a monumental difference as far as taxes are concerned. And I, it's weird because I understand that point of view for your regular everyday people, not college football coaches. If you, yes, he's going to quote unquote lose a lot of money. And it's not even really losing money by going to, to California because the taxes are so much higher. But when you're making that kind of money, let's be serious fundamentally, would you rather live in Oklahoma or California? If you say Oklahoma, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> it's just, of course, you'd rather be in California. But to get back more on point, like, I don't really have a problem with the fact that Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma or that Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. I really don't have a huge problem when anybody wants to better their their environment or their, or their work situation. Same thing with these kids. Like I have no problem that they, like the transfer portal has been great. I think that that's a great thing for kids that they don't have to feel like they are locked into something when their coach is on them all the time. I'm good with everybody wanting to leave if that's the choice that you want to make. What I largely don't get is like why these college programs, you know, give 10 year contracts to these, uh, to these coaches. Because I mean, a lot of them aren't, except like if you're Nick Saban now or Dabo Sweeney, you're really not going to be staying at that place for more than ten years, anyways. And then when you get rid of these guys, you still got to pay out their contracts. Like I just don't understand why why these universities have these so long drawn out contracts for these coaches when they know that they're going to dip set all the time, anyways. So to go back to Lincoln Riley and as far as him uh, him going from Oklahoma to USC and the rumors, like I kind of hear and I'm I'm sure that this is a legitimate thing, is that he didn't want to do the move to uh, to the SEC. He wanted to. Oklahoma to stay where they were, and he decided to leave and go to the Pac-12. So if that in theory is true, and that's the whole reason why, I think he made the right business decision, because let's be serious. If you're going to the SEC, you're still going to have Bama, and you're still going to have Georgia, who are just absolute powerhouses, and if you get, you're losing maybe one game per year in Oklahoma right now, one or two. That's going to jump up to three or four if you go to the SEC, Then you got no shot at winning a national championship. You got zero. Now, USC, they've been kind of on the downslide, but that's still a great job. And I think that what you're getting, like, USC is not even getting the best kids in California anymore. They're going to with Lincoln Riley. On top of the fact that there are kids already leaving Oklahoma to go follow him there. Like, it's still going to be a couple years, but USC is going to be a top 10 program religiously within the next couple of years. Lincoln's going to get that thing turned around real quick and USC is going to be a powerhouse. And I think a lot of that has to do with this name, image, and likeness thing. because you look at it, again, Oklahoma. Where where are you going to get that money? NIL, there's money to be thrown all over the damn place in California. So if you're good and, and you play at the USC, you're going to make so much cash as a kid, man. You're going to make raking in money because I feel like when you see these kids that go to Alabama, or Georgia, or those those SEC schools, like football means something way different down there than it does anywhere else in the country. So you go there to win because you know that you're going to get drafted to the NFL that way. If you go to Alabama and you, you're you consistently winning 10, 11, 12 games every single year and you're always in contention for a national championship, you're going to be seen more and you're going to get drafted. But with NIL the way it is now, and like I said, especially with Lincoln Riley going there, I think that USC, like the kids are going to want to go there because they can make money because California's got money. New York has money. Now, New York is just not, it's not good for college football, but those two places got the money and you can make money in this NIL situation. And I think that that's going to be huge at USC. I'm going to switch over to Brian Kelly in a moment, but I want to stay in this space for just a little bit longer. It's not even really like Lincoln Riley related, but I had a buddy of mine reach out to me because I asked, you know, what do you guys want to hear on today's episode? And he has said, I want to hear your perspective on what you think that uh, parents should be telling their kids when it comes to recruiting. So this is the thing for me. We always want to bash the kids when they want to go to a different school. If, you know, promises weren't made by coaches or we want to get mad at coaches because they leave or because they lied to kids because of course they did. You mean to tell me that a grown man would lie to kids just so he could make millions of dollars and then not keep his promises? Oh, my stars. Yeah, you can't be that naive. Of course they lie to these kids. They lie to the parents too. But I think that the what we really don't look at is, man, sometimes the parents are the ones effing this thing up. Because we all know like college football and college basketball has been littered with with the things that we don't want to talk about or the things that we just kind of push to the side now because it's so universal kids getting paid or parents getting paid so that their kids can go to those schools and kickbacks are just absolutely ridiculous for these families or the the actual kids themselves individually we've actually seen a handful of times like a kid doesn't want to go to a certain school but the parents are like yo university is going to take care of this house payment or this rent or pay off my car or do something you're going to go to this school wherever it is the kid may not want to do that But the parents aren't like, and it's not every one of them. So I don't want you guys to make it seem like I'm just bashing all the parents out there for this, but there's enough of them out there. And it's a, it's a topic that doesn't really get discussed all that much. We always just want to, we want to rag on the kids if they want to transfer or we, or just blow up the coaches when they leave before the contract is up and lying to people, but we don't want to put any blame on the parents either though. So when it comes to recruiting, you know, it's if, if, if my son got a scholarship to go or was in contention to get a scholarship to go to a certain school. I would be very, very hesitant to believe what I hear. Largely because I I don't trust people in general. And I also am a critical thinker. I like to think for myself and I don't just... Look, if somebody is selling you something that sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And that's what recruiting is all about. It's about selling. It's about making your kid look like they're the best thing ever. And they are going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. And it is your job as a parent to be able to see through the bullshit and make sure your kid is in the best situation to succeed, whether it is for f- football or basketball or sports, or if it's just in life in general. But that it is like there's everybody is at fault when it comes to just like college sports because everybody allowed it to get to the space that it's in right now, anyways. It's not just the university, it's not just the parents, it's not just the kids or the coaches. Everybody has been terrible. But to kind of just wrap up that one specific point of, you know, what would you want to have kids listen to like when it does kind of recruiting, it, it would just be. Yo, you need to be careful. You need to be able to read through the bullshit. You need to do what's best for you. Because let's get one thing straight right now. These universities and these coaches do not care about your child individually. They just don't. They want to know, what can you do for me while you're here? And once you're gone, bye. Because like Brian Kelly is like the prime example of this because I don't know... 100% 100% this is true, but this seems very much in the uh, in the Brian Kelly repertoire, if you will. He basically called a team meeting at like 7 or 8 in the morning, players were there, and he basically just did a Michael Jordan meme of them kids and just dip out. And I saw that and I was like, yep, that seems pretty, pretty standard for Brian Kelly. No more reporting to do here. I will go ahead and co-sign on that is exactly what happened. While we're on the topic of Brian Kelly, I'm just going to wrap up this part of the segment with what I think is probably going to happen while he's at LSU. To me, it doesn't really feel like there's going to be any, any middle ground with this. This particular move feels like he is either going to be really, really good at LSU, or this thing is going to implode with just such a majestic fashion that I don't even know how to describe it. It's like we just talked about, this dude is kind of an asshole. (laughs) He just is. And at Notre Dame, like he was the brand. It like, There weren't really a whole lot of high, I don't want to say high caliber because obviously they had some really good football players there to be as good as they were for as long as he's been there. But don't get it twisted, Brian Kelly was Notre Dame and he knew it and he felt it and he made sure that everybody else knew it. LSU doesn't get down like that. The players matter. The players matter to the school and the community, Leonard Fournette and Tredavious White. Joe Burrow, they let him have his, a different spelling of his name. Like, you just don't see that. Colleges don't allow people to do that. LSU lets them do that kind of stuff because it does. Like, like I said, in the South, football just means more to them and in a much different way. So I don't think that Brian Kelly is going to be able to treat players at LSU the same way he was doing it at Notre Dame. I just don't see how he's going to be able to do that and keep his job. <laughs> that's a, that's a big-ass payout they're going to need if he's still if he still acts that same way at LSU. He ain't going to make it that full 10 years. But the other side of it, too, is look what he was able to do at Notre Dame when like there's an there's actually academic credentials that you have to face, or that you have to meet in order to even get into Notre Dame and to still play. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. He's going to get real football players at LSU. So that's why I say like this thing is going to go one way or the other. I don't see this being a lot of like, you know, nine and three seasons and them being really good, but not championship caliber. I think that this thing either gets taken to where they don't necessarily overtake Alabama as a number one team like every single year. But I think that at times they could be the number one team for, you know, an extended period of time them in Alabama are gonna be you know swapping back and forth between one and two for a minute. Or I think he's gonna lose the locker room because he does have all that talent and because the university does care about the kids way more. And it's not way more that they just allow them to be themselves more. Like they're not they're not handcuffing these kids to the the stringent things that you would see like at a Stanford or Notre Dame. But yeah that's my take on Brian Kelly at LSU. It's either going to be really, really good or it's gonna be really, really bad. And whichever one it is, I am going to enjoy watching it. So before this reboot of this podcast, I said back in April, I don't care who has to do it, what has to be done, but you cannot let New England get any type of quarterback at all or the NFL is going to be re-ruined because that dynasty is going to kickstart back up again. And y'all let these MFers get Mac and no cheese Jones and they back doing Patriot things. Because what I saw last year, is the worst offensive roster I have probably ever witnessed in all of my years of watching football. And those bastards still won seven games. And they damn near beat Buffalo, and they should have. If Cam doesn't fumble inside the five, that team's eight and eight. Now, I know that's something to write home about, but to go 500 with that absolute donkey of an offensive roster, it blew my mind. And I knew, I knew if they got anybody, they would be right back to where they were, Kicking our asses and being on top of that division, I just didn't think it was, it was one year, man. They slipped for one year and they're already back. I hate it here, cause like, all right, so like last year they had a lot of COVID opt-outs. They got all them guys back. They got Van Noy back. They went and got John and Smith and Hunter Henry, and they went and stacked at the O line and the D line. And what they're doing is exactly what Bill Belichick does. I told you they were gonna win ugly, cause they won ugly last year. That they would have to win ugly this year. Run the ball, play good defense, quarterback just doesn't F anything up. And Mac Jones isn't effing anything up right now. Bill Belichick looked at the entire NFL and he goes, oh, you know what everybody's doing? They just go and get little fast guys. Like, everybody in the NFL now is fast. Like, now there's Tyree Kill and then there's everybody else. Like, everybody's fast, but Tyree Kill is fast, fast. And what they did is they're like, all right, we see all these other little dudes. Hell, we even got offensive and defensive linemen that are running sub 540s. Like, everybody's just an athlete now. But what he decided to do is, I'm getting the big, tough, mean kids, and I'm gonna beat up on all them little nerds. It sucks being right about a lot of things. And this was one thing I didn't wanna be right about. I was really hoping that the Bills would have a little bit more of a stranglehold on this this division for a little bit longer. But Bill Belichick had other plans. This is why we can't have nice things. And I mean... (sighs) To me, Buffalo is pretty fraudulent, man. They just are. Like, I, I hate the fact that I see these, like, I see the numbers. It's like, oh, number one, rush defense. And then they got the brakes beat off <laughs> by Indianapolis. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas looked like he was goddamn OJ Simpson just running rough shot <laughs> through that defensive line. Oh, because, like, those stats are skewed because they played the Steelers, Dolphins, Washington, Houston, Kansas City. Then Derrick Henry ran all over them. They play the Dolphins again, the Jaguars, the Jets. They hadn't played anybody with a real O-line, and Indy just went and manhandled that ass. Like, I knew that this team was going to get the church doors blown off them. Like, it's they haven't, they haven't played anybody. The only two teams that they've really, they beat Kansas City. That's like the only strong win that they've got for this entire season. Buffalo did what you're supposed to do. To quote myself from earlier, they beat up on the little nerds. But then they, they they played somebody real and just got waxed. And like Buffalo's defensive line is, is that same way. Like Ed Oliver is basically your biggest dude. Like that can't, it's not going to work. It's a bunch of light little dudes. And I, I know exactly how this is going to work. Because these guys play on Monday night. And this is exactly what's going to happen. Josh Allen is probably going to throw for over 300 yards. He's probably going to have a couple TDs and a couple picks or at least a, like a fumble or two is he's going to need to play hero ball because the Pats are just going to run the ball down our damn throat, and there's nothing that they're going to be able to do about it. I would be surprised if, like, time of possession was, like, 45 to 15. <laughs> if I was New England, that's what I would do. Because Buffalo runs, like, almost strictly like a nickel package. Like, they hardly ever go, but there used to be a 4-3, and they run nickel almost all the time. Like, that's the trend in the NFL. Period. Really, because we're constantly seeing three, four, and five wide receivers sets. So you got to have another DB out there. And the Bills, like like I said, they pretty much strictly play a nickel. They got they put Milano and uh, and Tremaine Edmonds out there, but Teron Johnson is the other guy who's always out there. So if you're going to run nickel on the Pats, they're going to run on you. And honestly, I think it's going to get real, real ugly. Because I guarantee you something. I don't really believe in like bulletin board material because these guys are they're paid professional athletes. I don't think that that stuff really matters to them. But this is something I do believe in. I don't think Bill Belichick liked the fact that the Bills finally kind of overtook them as like the favorites in that division. And he's coming to town. He's getting ready to just hand out these L's. And speaking of L's, I'm here to throw one at Myron Metcalf. Now, I know that he's never going to hear this. But... I was scrolling through my socials and I saw him post on Twitter, which college athletes over the last 20 years would have made the most name, image, and likeness money? My list, Tim Tebow, Zion Williamson, Jimmer Fredette, John Wall, Candace Parker, Maya Moore, Sabrina Ionescu, T- uh, Tua tonga Bailoa, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Who am I missing? I mean, there's quite a few if we're gonna be completely honest, but the, the way that I look at this list that he's got is, one thing that i get i don't i get, i guess you could say labeled as is someone who's quote unquote fake woke because i genuinely you know care about black lives matter movement and i do see systemic racism like i as a white guy it's almost it's, it's weird that you're that you can see things from that angle and if you do, you can sometimes be categorized as that. But to, to my point that I'm just trying to make right here, though, is like this to me feels like it's a fake woke post by Myron Metcalf. Because I'm not trying to downgrade what women, uh, what women do in sports and what their achievements are and how good they actually are at what they do. But, bro, you've got three women's college basketball players on there. It's just not... It's not accurate at all, my man. Now, like I'm not big on lists. I think it's I've said this before. I think that like top tens and lists of this nature are like the dumbest things that we do in society. But dog, how are you going to have a top 10 of those? Like what you think the most players would have made in an NIL in the last 20 years and you don't have a Reggie Bush on there at all? Come on, my dude. Like that's that's wild that you didn't even think about that guy. And when I look at the, a list like this, well, I got too riled up about, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I'm so energetic about this specific topic right now. <laughs> like I would for sure have Reggie Bush. I would, I think that Vince Young would have made just a bunch of scratch. Like, especially like what, that one game alone, USC Texas was like one of the greatest football games I've ever seen. You could have had, Uh, Matt Leiner on there too, because again, like even though they weren't great in the pros, if you're looking at just what kind of stars that they were at the college level and the hype that goes in with these guys before they even get there, like I don't have like a quote unquote top 10, but I like Tebow would obviously be in there. I think Zion would be in there because of his hype coming out of high school. I'd also throw somebody like a Reggie Bush in there, Vince Young. Um, For me, like even if you're looking at other sports and you're trying to be a little bit more creative with your thought process. I'd still put you know Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg in that type of realm. Um Sidney Crosby, um, Johnny Manziel? For the love of God, like you could even be if you really wanted to go like a little bit more outside the box on it. You know, I throw somebody like Brady Quinn in there. You know, you're it's a good looking kid playing quarterback for the for Notre Dame, like a, ho- a high profile program and that kid was all over the place so do i have a top 10 no i don't but i will say this mr Metcalf, your top 10 is a trash list trash 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 it's poo poo all right so real quick we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode um i'm gonna touch real light on tiger woods real quick so he says he wants to come back and play golf and he's apparently he's got his family's blessing if he wants to continue to do it and i There are very few people that would make me go watch golf when I was growing up, but Tiger was one of those dudes. And I'm somebody who, like, I don't like to get into, you know, people's pockets or tell them what they should or shouldn't do necessarily. Like, I'm here to give my opinions. I don't like, but I don't, like, just go out of my way to tell people you can't do something even if you think that you can. But this to me just feels more like, dude, you just need to take care of yourself, man. Like, your your body (laughs) from... How long you been playing golf to your car crashes and rehabs and everything, dude? Just just take care of you because we see him try to rush back all the time and he just he just keeps hurting himself. I think that that's one thing that it doesn't necessarily like bother me, but we see dudes hold on way too long, like when they play in, in like in the NFL. Like I'm watching Ben Roethlisberger right now and I'm like, bro, you should have hung it up last year. Watching Dirk play basketball his final year or so in Dallas, it just looks so painful and awkward. And it's like, bro, like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? Money. <laughs> that, that certainly helps. But those types of things, like it just, it makes me feel bad sometimes. Like I don't even really enjoy watching them play at that, at that stage. And I get it. Like the love that they've got for what they do is crazy. That plus the competitive drive. Like you just don't, you don't ever want to think that you can't do what everybody knows you as and i and i understand why some of these athletes have got a hard time kind of transitioning out of that world because that's all that you know and that's all that everybody kind of knows you as like you who who are you as a person like you're trying to like re-self-identify but when it comes like just the healthy these guys like i'd actually rather you hanging up a year or two early than hold on a year or two too late and i think that that's kind of where i'm at with tiger you know, if he's one hundred percent healthy again, or you know, as close to it as he can, and like there's really not any pain to it, okay, like come back. I know he's he's talking about doing it part time, like not really being like on the tour, on the tour. But to me, it's just like if if you're not right, like just just take care of yourself, man. As somebody who doesn't do a good job, like for myself, <laughs> I would like to think that once you've hit that that apex of, especially where where Tiger has been, especially from a mental state. Bro, like just really take some time and work on you first. All right. You've been listening to Talking Sports with Peace, Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. You guys stay up, stay blessed, and we'll catch you on the next one.